Hello and welcome to this week's Mouth of the Time podcast. Joined by regular um, guest on the podcast, Miles Starforth. Oh, Miles, well, international break. England's taken uh, everybody's focus off Newcastle United. It's been quite a relaxing week or so, hasn't it? Not having Newcastle United to worry about on a daily basis. It's been, I guess it's been a long, long two weeks, it seems, anyway. Um, after a result like that, you, you want another game to come pretty quickly, though. Arguably, this break has come at exactly the right time. As frustrating as it is to kind of stew and reflect on that uh, that awful performance, that awful result for for you know for two best part of two weeks now. Yeah, you talk about the right timing, um, and I think that's kind of what everybody's pinning the hopes of Newcastle United staying in the division is on Callum Wilson, isn't it? It's not even Alan St Maximin who was a big miss earlier in the season. It's it's Callum Wilson. Everybody's looking at Callum Wilson, saying, "Is he going to be fit?" Yeah, that's the big question. We'll find out uh, tomorrow, the Friday ahead of the game, uh, when Steve Bruce does his press. Or it'll be, be interesting hearing from Steve Bruce for the first time um, since the Brighton game. Of course, um, after that game, he insisted he wasn't uh, wasn't going to stand down, as he said before. Uh, referred questions about his future to the hierarchy. We quickly learnt, of course, um, he retains the back of Mike Ashley. So that'll be interesting to see how he handles. Uh, or, to see how he handles the, those kind of questions, um, what what's his view now on that Brighton game and what it's meant for him and his position. Um, but yeah, the big question really is is Callum Wilson more so than than Alan Maximum. If you remember before uh, before he spell out with uh, COVID, he, he was he was out of form. He was playing through the middle, which really wasn't wasn't working. Um, we could see it wasn't working. Um, but when he came back into the team, there was there was some glimpses of his form there, and he was was making a difference. So he, of course, he is important too. Yeah, it could. I mean, it's going to be a risky one, isn't it? You've got you've got somebody, for example, as Miguel Almiron, who's got another couple of weeks under his belt, but has just has a, had a um, reasonably serious injury. Then we talk about Alan St. Maximin. Um, effectively, this season he's had a lot of injuries. He's been in and out of the team um, throughout the campaign. And then Callum Wilson, such a crucial cog in the wheel at Newcastle United. It would be a big risk for someone like Steve Bruce to suddenly just say, right, I'm going to throw all my eggs in one basket and throw them all in. Although that must be really tempting. They've, they've, they've got to get this right. And I guess the extra week, this this two-week break's given, given them more than an extra week's training. Um, we'll have to see tomorrow what, what Bruce's view is on them. Um of course, if there's any doubt, and, and and I guess there's no guarantees with any of them in terms of coming back. We thought we wondered if uh, Almiran was uh, was being was going to start in too early, but he he came through that one okay. Um, the the train schedule, as we know, hasn't been particularly intense over this two week period. There's been criticism of that. We learnt Bruce Bruce's view and the medical staff's view. They needed that extra time off given the schedule this season. There hasn't been too many uh, many breaks in the the fixture list. Um, but yeah, but they've they've got to get this right, right. And and if it's going to take an extra week for Wilson or Sam Maximum or both of them, then then uh, that's going to be more important than than risking them in uh, unnecessarily in one game. It's a must-win game, really, isn't it, Miles? I know everybody sort of looks at the fixture list and says, "Oh, this is one of the tougher games that remain in your casting its calendar." But to me, my opinion, if you're classing Brighton as a must-win game, if you're classing uh, Aston Villa as a must-win game, you get to this point in the season, the business end of the campaign, you're casting it in the predicament they are, they're all must-win, in my opinion. Yeah, the, the, 
every every game is should be an opportunity for three points though some are going to be harder or easier than others um Tottenham aren't having a great time. Marino's under pressure too. Um, maybe there's an opportunity there for Newcastle, especially with if they can bring uh, one or two players back from injury. Though, of course, they're, they're missing Hayden, which I'm sure we'll come on and talk about in a minute. Uh, yeah, they're all, they're, they're all must-win games. I know it's a, it's a cliche and I don't often like it, but uh, at this stage of the season, only wins is going to get this club out of the trouble. It's one thing that kind of frustrates me really with the way that Steve Bruce has almost conducted himself this season is is that he, in the manner in which he talks up average opposition, um, talks up average managers and very rarely gives his own side enough credit um, prior to games, in my opinion. And I think that's one thing that, that shone through really this season that you cascinated a lot of the times um, almost you almost feel like you're going into games against the big sides already 1-0 down before you even start. And I think it's a mentality thing. I just don't believe that, for example, Scott Parker's having the same kind of problems at Fulham. I believe he's instilling a belief um, and a desire into that side that, that's getting them out of out of this position or the predicament that they found themselves in and in with a really good shout of saving the season. When it looked it looked impossible when you you go back to when Newcastle played them in in December. Um, then you look, for example, at Brighton. That they, they pulled two wins together in a week, and they pulled themselves away from from trouble. They were in an identical position as as Newcastle United were, and they've went and produced the goods. Burnley as well always just seem to be able to raise their game against anybody and just grind out the odd result, despite having a, a really not great looking side on paper. Newcastle United are the opposite for me. I think there's an almost a negative mentality that 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 we're already looking at the nine games that remain. This is in Newcastle United's hands. Everyone needs to remember that, even though Fulham played prior to Newcastle United. Fulham will have played two games more. They'll only have seven games left. Newcastle United have nine. It almost feels like we write off. Man City's already written off. Arsenal's written off. Tottenham's written off. Um, Leicester's written off. Some are writing off West Ham and, and pointing at maybe three or four games that remain in Newcastle United's calendar. Your Burnleys, your Sheffield United, your Fulham's, etc. And saying, well, they're the games that you have to win. For me, I don't know, Miles. What's your thoughts on that? Because I, I look at Man City. Yes, I'm. I'm a realist. I'm not. I'm not an idealist. I look at Man City and say, yes, you probably do write that off. But I, I see no reason why Newcastle can't get a result against, like you say, a Tottenham with frailty at times. Even though some very good players and, and ultimately a very good manager and a very good side, but they do have frailties. West Ham traditionally, Newcastle United have got a very, very good record against West Ham, whether that be home or away. Um, always involved in good games over the years against them. Um, Arsenal, Arsenal have massive frailties. I just don't believe Fulham would be going into a game against Arsenal saying, "Ah, we'll just write that off." Yeah, it, I think there's something to that. We don't, we don't know what's said behind the scenes. How, how, you know, how Steve Bruce dresses the players on a, on a, on a weekly, a daily basis. But when it's all about just keep bashing away, keep plugging away, you know, it's all, it's all so drab and negative and. And you look at this squad, and we, we looked at it at the start of the season and thought, yeah, this for all we've all had reservations about Steve Bruce. I questioned his appointment at the start, but I think we've been we've been fair with him. We've we've tried to be fair, we've been respectful. But we looked at the squad at the start of the season and thought, well, whatever those reservations or concerns, you can put those to one side because this squad is capable of pushing upwards, um, further up the table into the top ten. Uh, but to be told, yeah, just keep bashing away, keep plugging away. Um, you know, it, it's it's not inspiring inspiring for us as journalists. It's it's not inspiring for for supporters. Um, we look at the players on the pitch. 
they don't look particularly inspired. Um, it's it it you know the, the football's been pedestrian. We saw you know we saw at Brighton before the break. The, the team was so slow to start the game, and they they spent most of it on the back foot. Yet, uh, personnel-wise, why can't this team be... Why should it be afraid of half the teams in this division? Of course, they're going to get tough games. Of course, there's some good teams down there, good managers, even in the bottom end of the division. But no, I, th- I think there's something to that. Obviously, we don't, we're not in the dressing room when Steve Bruce is addressing his players. He might have a very different kind of um, message there about what this team's capable of, what they're... What they uh, what they should be doing, but uh, yeah, the messaging I would agree is it, it doesn't always sit right with me. I suppose one way that Steve Bruce can really set the message prior to kick off this week will by making some positive or, or what would be deemed positive changes to a, a stale look in Newcastle United say That's besides the potential injury um, changes that you'll have to, well, he might make with regards bringing a Callum Wilson back into the side. He can really rejuvenate, rejuvenate that midfield a little bit as well by maybe turning away from, from a struggling, out of form, out of sorts, um, low on confidence probably after the international break. Jeff Hendrick, who we expect will probably come in, as you mentioned, for the injured Isaac Hayden and maybe turn to a, a Sean Longstaff who seems to be slightly back in favour, would you say? And then a Matty Longstaff, maybe, who's been totally out of favour. Or even, as you've championed in recent weeks and recent months, to be honest, um, an Elliot Anderson. Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying Elliot Anderson's ready to start games, so, but why isn't it on the bench? He's different, he's fresh, he's fearless, he's young, and he's he plays in a position at number 10 where... A, Almer on the side. Is there anyone else who can really step into that position? I know we've tried. We've seen Gale and others, others in that position. But but uh, if 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 the team's trading by a goal in the last ten minutes, last fifteen minutes, Almeron's um, flagging. He's back from his injury. Who are you going to turn to? Why why not bring some someone who has that kind of fearlessness, that youth, and he, he can run all day, which is what I think we what what we need to see is legs in midfield. Uh, and that obviously brings us on to the Hendrick and Shelby. We would expect, we would guess, Hendrick's going to possibly first in line to come into the team, given uh, given he's first to come off the bench if he isn't starting games. Obviously, he's been away with Ireland. They've had an awful break. He's he's not in any kind of form for his club. So you'd probably, well, for me, I would look look beyond him to the Longstaff brothers. And also, you've got to look at Shelby, who just doesn't hasn't done nearly enough for me the last few months uh, for for the club's I, th- I think highest paid player or certainly one of the highest paid players at the club one of the most experienced players at the club he's not done it and it, he's been sat in front of the back four in a on you which position you would you would think would be better suited to Isaac Hayden um so deep he, I, he just hasn't hasn't uh, done enough with the ball or without the ball for, for, for me and I I, I think uh, from what uh, you've been saying over the past few weeks you, you would agree with that Liam I really do, yeah. I think I think John John Joe Shelby's like a, a symptom of the failure in Newcastle United. I think he's a substandard midfielder who um, didn't make it at Liverpool because of his ob- obvious flaws. A very talented player didn't make it at Swansea. Swansea were happy to gift him effectively to Newcastle United, who were in a relegation battle at the time with them. Um, just hand him over effectively for a relatively low fee at the time, and and you look at it and say. Is, is John Joe Shelby going to get into any other side who Newcastle United are fighting it out with at the bottom of the table? And there's an argument to say he probably wouldn't. It's not ability. Ability isn't the problem, it's application. I thought I thought it was quite interesting 
that uh, the video doing the rounds, uh, I know we've done it, we've done a story on it, was was everybody looking back to that Liverpool game where Kenny Dalglish, the manager, he casting a charging towards towards the Champions League spots at the time. Um, and Jose Enrique putting the gloves on in a 2-0 win and having to go in goal and everybody singing we're in the top six to, to the player who left previously in the previous window. One thing that I noticed from re-watching that video, the little highlights reel that seems to be zooming around on on Twitter is John Joe Shelby in the Liverpool midfield. And I was watching him 10 years younger or whatever it may be now, doing exactly the same things as he's doing in this Newcastle United midfield now. Looking leggy, um, half chasing, half hassling, showing as if he's doing it, but not really wholeheartedly committing to it. And I think if you remember when he joined the club in January, he joined a relegation battle. And he had that great home debut, you know, a couple of superb passes, which we know he can do. He's superb in the the way he can execute a pass. But uh, for me, he went missing for the rest of that season. That was a relegation season. And now we're in the same position. Um, And and there needs to be a change. What message does it send to the rest of the the dressing room, to his his teammates, those sat on the bench, those who don't even make the squad? You can can be that ineffective and yet... Short of a, a start each week, yeah, um, it is quite incredible because we've seen we've seen players come on, for example, and I'm not just it is this in the token Jordy thing, but we've seen Andy Carroll come on and, and have three minutes where he runs about charging into tackles. His legs are gone; he's not the same player, but you can tell he cares and he, and he wants to be out on that part and is very frustrated not to be. You'll see a Jacob Murphy come on the pitch and really make an impact in in 10 to 15 minutes and, and be able to sort of twist and turn and, and create something out of nothing. And these lads aren't rewarded with these little cameos and showing the manager that they can do things on the pitch. But John Joe Shelby is constantly rewarded for mediocrity. And that's all he is. He's a mediocre Premier League yeah. midfielder. And it, and it comes from, no, we know Steve Bruce is staying. So we're going to have the, the, the kind of the system, the tactics that Graham Jones brought in, which have had some success with before, the loss of Wilson and the, and the others two injuries, but in that in that system, you need you need to press, you need to run. It comes down in the Premier League. If you can't run in midfield, you you're not make, making the contribution you should be to your team. However good good you are with the ball, however many forty yard passes you can you can you can ping, you've still got to run. You've got to press. You've got to pressure. Um, and we you know I'll be fair to John John Joe Shelby that there are times in games where, where he does run and track back, help the team and t- tackle. He can do it, but you've got to do that over the 90 minutes. And I, I just don't see enough from him. Um, yet, week, week in, week out, he's in the team. Um, and the Longstaff brothers, of course, they're strong candidates to, to come in. Two different players, Matty Longstaff, uh, an athlete who can run all day. Uh, Sean, Sean Longstaff, a very good footballer who, who must look at his own career now. Remember when he was kind of Vying with Declan Rice for a place in the England Then he suffers an injury. Uh, and then, of course, uh, there's a managerial change and he hasn't played much football. Um, so he, he must wonder what, uh, what what he has to do now to, to, to get his career again going. But to, he's, a, he's a talented player, a good footballer, and I, and I hope he can... Uh, I hope um, things can work out for him at this club. So I was going to come to you, Miles. Let's be hypothetical. We're picking the team on Sunday. We might put both of those players in. You put both of those players into the side. What's Matty Longstaff going to bring to a midfield, for example, that 
Jeff Hendrick won't. What is Sean Longstaff going to bring? That it, maybe if he was sitting in John Joe Shelby's seat at the moment, what would he bring to it? The, well, the you 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 think Sean Longstaff comes in if to to the position Shelby's been playing in front of the back four? You can play through, which what which is what they did. Um, when Rafa was manager, they played through him from the back four through long stuff. Um, and of course, Marty in a slightly more advanced position, he can run and he can press and he can really help out those front three in terms of uh, play, play, pressing high up the pitch. Uh, and, and he's also got a knack of scoring goals. He, he wasn't, it was always Sean who was scoring the goals at um, kind of youth level, but Matty at uh, the first team level, he's, uh, he's got a goal in him, which is going to be well, potentially going to be important for the team. Joe Willock, what have you made of his his time at Newcastle United so far? I, I see him getting a lot of criticism on social media. I went through uh, during the international break, our marks, your marks, my marks on, on the Newcastle United players, and Willock rank, ranked particularly low um, following his first couple of games. He's had some real struggles in that midfield. My opinion on it is I think he's a young player who's never been involved in this situation before. Um, I think it's alien to him, and he's coming to a side that really is struggling. Um, I think putting Callum Wilson in the side allowed Willock to sort of punch through holes in the opposition defence that haven't really been opened up for him because of the likes of Joe Linton and Ryan Fraser, etc., playing in, in similar roles to what Callum Wilson did. I think I think it's a little bit unfair, personally, to go with Joe Willock, but I've seen a lot of it on social media. Yeah, I think I think it comes down to those points that you mentioned. He's... he's he, is a young player and a lot's been asked from it, a very high pressure situation. He's never been in this kind of situation before in this terms of this kind of pressure. A lot's been asked of him. Um, you've got, you know, you've, you've, um, he's been playing every week and I think he's had some very good games. He's got, you know, he can play the 10 role. He can play either side of the diamond. He's, he's got good legs. Um, he's good at getting into the box. He's got an, got an eye for a goal, but it's, it's going to be draining. This is going to be taking a lot out of a, a young player. Um, and at some point, you, you wonder whether he needs to come out of the team for a, for a game or so. But uh, I, I think he's I think he's done well. It just comes down to his age and being in a very high pressure, a very tough situation. Um, he'll, be, he'll be learning from this. He'll be improving through this. But um, you, uh, you wonder if he has to come out of the team for a game or two. That's, that's the kind of question in, in my mind. I was big on the case of saying Newcastle you need to play their best players, whoever they may be, um, in the respective positions. When we had the debate a while back about Carl Darlow being kept in the side and Martin Dubravka sitting on the sidelines, we've obviously seen that situation unfold. Dubravka's come in. Um, is there a case to say that Federico Fernandez, in my opinion, being the, probably the best all-round defender that Newcastle United have on their books at present, is there a case to say that now might be the time in a relegation battle as one of your best players, most experienced leaders in the back line, is there a case to say he needs to come back into the side as well? I think he does. Yeah, I, th- I think he does this weekend. I, I like I like Kieran Clark. I think he's done very well. But there's certainly a case this weekend after, again, he, he was away with Henrik with Ireland after a tough fortnight, um, both for him and, and, his, and his country. Um, you, you wonder whether it's the right time. Well, I would suggest it is the right time for Fernandes to come in and uh, and, and partner Lascelles. Uh, that's not to say I don't think Kieran Clark has done much done much wrong. He's he's made a mistake or two as 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 just about every one of his teammates. Uh, he's a very steady, very underrated player. But uh, yeah, this this weekend I would I'd be turning to Fernandes, who, as you say, arguably the best um, central defender at the club. 
before I come at you for a prediction of your scoreline and result at the weekend, I want to ask you quickly about the contractual situation at Newcastle United because it's something that's been allowed to sort of rumble on into these final seven or eight weeks of the, of the campaign. We've seen reports this week of Dwight Gale getting a potential three-year, some are saying it may maybe a two-year with an option. Um, to me, there's been some criticism I've seen online. I think it's a tick-all-boxes kind of signing. I think it, it almost covers all bases. If Newcastle needed to go down, he's the type of player you would want to sign. Um, and you probably have to pay a reasonable amount of money to bring that kind of player in. If you stay up, you're protecting an asset. Look, if if you want to keep him as a as a as a reserve forward, effectively, and then that's fine. But you can also maybe sell him on for a little bit of money um, and protect an asset in that way. There's other decisions need made. Fabian Shaw, um, you've talked about his contract and the one year option. Federico Fernandez being a key one, a key component of this side going out of contract. Even others such as Jacob Murphy. Where do you stand on the contract situation? Do you think things will start to get resolved? Oh, I, I would. You would hope so, though. That given the question mark over the club's position, uh, may, maybe not. Certainly, Gail, for me as well. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be critical of the club, uh, uh, you know, often, but uh, it's a, it's a no-brainer for me signing Gail. It's not saying Gail is the striker you want to build this team around. You're saying it's it is it, exactly the kind of striker you'd want in the championship. And if the club stays up, which we all hope. He's, he's a good squad player or you've protected an asset and you can then sell him and um, reinvest that money. It, yeah, absolute no-brainer. Fernandes is the one to watch, really. Obviously, it's, an, again, a no-brainer signing up Shah, whether, whether you see him being a, a championship uh, or, or Premier League defender next season, season for this club. You, again, you protect the asset, you you, you activate the, the clause. Yeah, Fernandes is the interesting one because he's the one I think... Uh, We'd all like to see stay, um, but again, if you're if you're Fernandez, you're gonna you're gonna wait a little bit and uh, bide your time because you just don't know which, which division this club's going to be in come the end of the season. We might have a better idea by this time next week when we sit down, Miles. I got to say thank you very much for joining us again. Um, that's been another mouth of the time. Shields Gazette production. Um, get it in all your usual places: Google, Acast, Spotify, or just check it out on our website. <laughs>